Hello, it's Denise. And Diane from Women Beyond a Certain Age. And I am so excited, Denise, about who we are going to be chatting with today. Everybody knows the joy of cooking. I think anyone that's ever cooked knows the joy of cooking. I mean, that has got to be the quintessential all-purpose cookbook that has ever been written and continually updated. Yes. Well, it was the beginning of the 70s. I was a new bride. And the joy of cooking came out in a small paperback. Right. Okay. But also small meaning almost pocket size. It was a novel size. And I still have Oh, I know that one. Yes. And my mother bought it for me at the grocery store. I think I was probably engaged to my first husband. <laughs> and may he rest in peace. And I got that book. And then we got, I got married. And then I had my, we had a little condo that we'd bought and moved into. And I'm going to tell you something. I used Joy of Cooking to find out. How to cook. How to bake a potato. How to cook a chicken. The basics. The basics were there. When I go antiquing, when I go looking for junk, as my husband (laughs) says, I have found two or three of the older copies of Joy of Cooking. I think one's from the 40s that has a blue cover. So great. And I bought it, not, not for a lot of money. And I have several volumes of Joy of Cooking. So it's very near and dear to me. And I'm thrilled to hear that you're going to talk to the new, to the the next, to the latest generation. The latest generation, because it this new Joy of Cooking is by Ethan Becker and Megan Scott. They are married. He is the great-grandson of Irma Rambauer, who, Rambauer is how you pronounce her name, who was the original uh, author of this book. And you know, if people don't know the story of it, I'm sure, Diane, you'll cover some of this, but she, Irma, was widowed. And she... I don't wrote, know the story. Oh, oh, she wrote this book because she was widowed and she needed something to do. There you go. How perfect for women beyond a certain age. <laughs> well, that's not funny, Diane. No. <laughs> As we as we change, you know what we're thinking about. I mean that. No, that, so you're absolutely. To me, I think of that as an incredible thing. She thought, "What am I going to do? I have so much information. I want to share." That's right. And I will be chatting with Megan, I believe, and we were gonna we're gonna find out a lot about the history and today. It's it's very exciting, and there will be again on our Facebook page. We are going to have a giveaway. Of this new book. Of this beautiful new big book. Because Carrie Bachman is the publicist and has been a friend of Diane's. I've known Carrie for years. She was gracious enough to send us a copy so we can give it away to you. So that's kind of a fun treat. It is a fun treat. Well, I'm excited. Let's go. Today we're talking to Megan Scott, who is the co-author revisionist of the latest edition of The Joy of Cooking. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I am so excited about this book. I get a lot of books sent to me to review for my column for the Chicago Tribune Syndicate. And I have to say, I spent an afternoon with you and your husband, John Becker, your co-author and husband, just diving in because if there's one book that you're thinking about buying as a cookbook for the holidays, I would say this is this is it because it just it's it is the definition of comprehensive. Well, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> well, I think it's accurate. 
So let's talk about what motivated you and maybe the quick backstory on how you guys met. John and I met in 2010. Um, I was in my senior year of college living in Asheville, North Carolina. I was working at a bakery at the time and I um, loved the joy of cooking. Um, it was the first cookbook I ever bought for myself. Um, and so I was talking about it with a coworker and he said, well, didn't you know that the guy whose family wrote the joy of cooking works at that coffee shop down the street? And I did not, and I didn't believe him. And so after my shift, I went down to the coffee shop, asked the barista if he knew anything about that. And it happened to be John who was working. Um, and he sort of blushed and said, yes, that's my family. And um, I had had a few conversations before that, actually. I just had no idea the connection. And so eventually I asked him out on a date and we hit it off. And then um, a few years later, we got married. But, you know, we didn't start out wanting to revise the book. We we actually we started working for The Joy of Cooking, um, just doing recipe testing and kind of helping out with the website. But then over the next few years, as we did more and more, and we sort of apprenticed with uh, John's dad, Ethan, we eventually decided that we knew enough about the book and its history and felt comfortable taking on a revision. Wow. I read that it was nine years that it took to, to redo this. Is that accurate? That is accurate. The first four years or so, we were doing mostly just doing recipe testing of existing recipes. And then also um, helping out with the website and social media. But then we got a contract, I think in 2015 to do the revision, but there was a lot of work that had gone into it before that point. I see. Oh, that's interesting to know how this all sort of came to be. How much work we didn't, um, I didn't really think about the website. Tell me how that uh, works with the book or as an, as an adjunct or completely different or what's the deal on that? Well, it's, it's kind of its own thing, and it's actually under construction right now. Um, we're having it redone, and it's not there yet. You know, a lot of folks who come to the Joy of Cooking website are disappointed that we don't have every single recipe in the book on the website, but we can't do that. Um, <laughs> we can't we can't give away um, all yeah. the recipes in the book. So we do feature, we'll feature certain recipes depending on the season, or we come up with new ones for the site sometimes. So that's kind of how that works. So it really just... I'm thinking about going on there. You would be just looking for something fresh or old that might be um, available, but you don't have the entire book, which makes total sense. To that point, this is the first time Joy of Cooking is be is a, a, an ebook, from what I understand. That's right. Yeah, this is our first ebook ever. Um, we did come out with an app several years ago, but we unfortunately had to take it off the market when we released this new edition. Sad to see it go, but it's okay. Is it available now as an ebook? Um, well, the book actually isn't. It's November. Uh, comes out on November twelfth. Right. So I think the ebook will be out on the same day. That's mm -hmm. great for those who don't want a doorstop in the <laughs> this book. When I said comprehensive, I wasn't kidding. I mean, it is a doorstop. But if you had to have one book, this would probably be the one to have. But let's just go back a little bit and talk about John's great-grandmother, I believe, was Irma Rombauer, and her story around creating the first joy of cooking. Yeah, so Irma, um, she was kind of a, a society woman. She um, grew up in a well-to-do family. She never had any kind of formal education and she never had to have a job. She didn't have any kind of career. Um, she was very active in her community and she liked to host, I think it was the St. Louis Symphony. She was involved with that and she had like 
artistic groups coming to her house, but she did not have a career. So in the late 20s, her husband um, committed suicide and her with no no way of making a living, really. And so she had to figure something out. And she, for some reason, decided to write a cookbook. That yeah. is, we, that's still a puzzle of why that happened, right? To me, it's a bit of a puzzle because, or it's just very unlikely because, um, you know, this is during the Great Depression and she's really taking a chance and she self-published it. So she spent her own, like what some of the little savings she had to self-publish and have this book printed um, during the Depression. So to me, it seems very unlikely, but it turned out to be a huge success. Interesting. Maybe she was an entrepreneur of her time. You know what I mean? Yeah, she was. Yeah. Well, the first book was very small, you said. That's and right. then she did another edition in 1936. First edition in 1931. And then she did the second one in 1936. And 1936 edition was the first to be published by an actual publisher. I see. How many editions are there, including yours? Um, ours makes nine. Wow. And when was the last giant uh, update revision before this one? It was in 2006. Okay. There's been that much change. There made- is a lot of change. Um, and one of the big things that has changed um, is just that, you know, the 2006 edition and the 1997 edition, those were both family was overseeing those editions, but... Unlike previous editions, the family wasn't really um, tasked with doing everything. So, you know, they had a professional test kitchen. They had um, lots of contributors and editors. And so this edition was basically myself and my husband, and we had three part-time recipe testers to help us and one freelance editor, but it was done very much in-house. So That's a big distinction, uh, Megan, I think, because I do remember when um i'm trying to remember what edition it was but it was all the cookbook author you know these were uh cookbook authors who were hired by the joy to contribute different chapters and so forth am i correct about that that's right the publisher um, hired them to do that right so this makes more sense because it's going back full circle almost to the family yeah, we're doing we're doing this revision the way that Irma and Marion both revised the book. And so we were hoping to bring back something of, you know, the joy of cooking kind of has this personality. Um, and we really wanted to bring back that spark to the book. And we think that by keeping it really close to us, we were able to kind of, I don't know, write the book in a voice that seemed authentic to joy. Well, I think you have accomplished that. I really do. Having spent that afternoon with you guys reading, it was like I got to be with you and sort of see... Um, but very specifically, there obviously there are many, many of the classics, but mm-hmm. there are also multicultural recipes from other countries, including Vietnam, Thailand, Mexico, and right. dishes like that certainly weren't in her uh, early editions, smoothies, pressure cooking, maybe pressure cooking, I don't know. Yeah, that- pressure cooking, that's been in the book for a while, and I think both Irma and Marion uh, loved their pressure cookers. Um, Irma was a big fan of blenders, so I think she would be on board with, like, smoothies and things like that. And the sous vide cooking, the fact that you added that as a, um, it's not a chapter, it's within a chapter of, is it new cooking techniques, I guess? Or- yeah, a new cooking technique. Yeah, we both, we don't think that sous vide cooking is like the end all be all of cooking, but it's just one tool that you can use to to do specific things that it does really well. So we wanted to talk about that because it is an interesting tool that is actually quite affordable now. 
Yeah, boy, it sure wasn't a few years ago. One yeah. of the things I've experienced, and I've not used sous vide. I'm I'm just such a classicist that I, you know, and I people tell me it's just they just love it. Home cooks, um, and the thing that I keep hearing over and over again is that if you've never made a steak with a sous vide, you won't believe what it's like. Did you is I didn't see that in the book because I didn't look specifically. Is there anything like that? Um, we only have a couple recipes that use a, um, an immersion circulator or a sous vide machine, but um, we do include a chart of times and temperatures. So we ah. have, you know, steak is listed in there, like chicken breasts and pork and all the different kinds of meats and that you might want to cook with a, an immersion circulator. One of my favorite things to use it for that's actually not meat is... Um, uh, you can actually do low temperature canning, like pickling with a sous vide. Wow. The SDA has approved uh, a method where if you hold uh, pickles at 180 degrees for 30 minutes, you can, it's considered safe. And so we do that with all of our cucumber pickles because it keeps them super, super crisp. Oh my gosh. I want to do that. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Well, there, there's so much in here. Let's talk about the casserole. <laughs> you have a you have a stuffing you have a stuffing which is coming up for Thanksgiving an apple and cherry version and yeah we so we actually put the stuffings and casseroles together in the same chapter this time that makes sense yeah you know? it does and um, we did make some changes to the casserole recipes you know we don't really love uh, canned condensed soups so we advise people to make a bechamel um, which only takes about five to eight minutes to make. So it's really not, it's not like you're saving that much time by using a condensed soup anyways. And what you're getting is so it, much better. So much better. Yeah. <laughs> it's night and day, let's face it. But you know, for those who have the taste memory of Campbell's cream of mushroom, I guess to them that would be okay too. And don't you give that recipe as well? Yeah, we do. We have instructions for how to substitute condensed soup if that's what you want to do. Yeah. I love that it's sort of the modern take and not and and kind of being respectful of old versions. You know what I mean? Yeah, we don't we don't want to tell people how they should cook. We want them to just enjoy cooking and make things that they love. So we like to provide lots of options for people. Well, it's, a, it's there's four thousand recipes in here <laughs> and six hundred of them are newer recipes. Is that correct? That's right. Well, certainly one that I uh, am excited about is eggplant, which I just wrote about in my Chicago Tribune article. I loved the newer, some of the newer versions, and I love this one. Incredible results. It is very simple, and it's kind of an, I don't know, just it, if you've never had that dish before, it's really um, a different way of having eggplant that I really love. So we were excited to put that recipe in the book. And that's one of your faves? Do you have it a is, couple other faves that you would share just in your, I mean, that's so obnoxious for me to ask you. There's only 4,000 and like, how are you going to, oh yeah, I, you know, but if anything comes to mind, let me know. We have, we have lots of recipes that we love. Um, one that I keep thinking about over and over and that I make all the time is yes. an olive oil cake with um, orange zest and juice. And that is, I make that cake all year round and I serve it with whatever fruit is in season and it's always fantastic. I love olive oil cake. Did you use almond flour or no? Um, there's an option to use almond flour if you want to. What about olive oil? Are there particular kinds that you, I mean, I have my feelings about what you want the taste mm -hmm. to be in an olive oil cake. What What's your thinking? We buy olive oil in bulk because we use so much of it, but um, right. we 
Tana, which is an Italian olive oil brand, we do love many of the California olive oils. Um, that just happens to be the one that we always buy in bulk because it's What's pretty affordable. The quality is good. Partana. P-A-R-T-A-N-A? Two N's. Okay. P-A-R-T-A-N-N-A, olive oil. And how would you describe the flavor? I mean, it's not heavy green, I wouldn't think. No, it's not. It's a, it's a pretty... Um, fairly mild tasting, but it's, it's got a little bit of grassiness. It's not super peppery. Um, it's just a good all purpose olive oil. Right. So it can work for an appetizer or a dessert. Exactly. That's interesting. I know. I love that cake. There is a lot of recipes that include the name Cocan. How do you pronounce it? Cocan? Uh, cocaine. Cocaine. And th there's a little bit of a story behind that. Yes. There is. Um, so cocaine is the word for a, uh, it's like a medieval French version of paradise where roast chickens wander the streets asking to be eaten and the rivers run with wine. Um, so it's just a land of plenty. Uh, I kind of compare it to the idea of the big rock candy mountain, if you're familiar with that. Yes. It's what um, Marion Becker and her husband John named their house in Cincinnati. Um, they called it cocaine, and any recipes that Marion developed or recipes that she just really loved often have the word cocaine attached to them. That's such a fun story about the book. I think there's some surprising uh, chapters. I'm thinking about, for instance, uh, the game. You know, you have game in there. I once uh, contributed to a book on game, and really, there's not a lot of info out there unless you're by, I suppose, a very specific book on it. But was that fun testing those recipes or were most of those classics? Uh, most of those were classics. And we, we actually worked with a game expert. Um, his name is Hank Shaw. He actually lives in California. And he helped us revise the game and wildfowl sections. And he actually had, there are some recipes in the book that use, for example, game birds that you cannot buy. So we had him test some of the recipes that he just happened to have the birds in his freezer. So that worked out really well. Gosh, when I was doing this uh, book, it was for a wildlife conservatory. I could not find grouse anywhere. It was the hardest thing to find. And then when I made it, I thought I would never make that again. It was way too gamey for me personally. I thought it was fun that you have a wine chapter. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's, there's a cocktails, wine, and beer chapter um, in the book, and actually kind of a fun story. When Irma published the first edition in 1931, that was during Prohibition, and the first recipe in that book is for a gin cocktail. That's basically gin and juice. So Irma was always very pro-alcohol, um, pro <laughs> and uh, we enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> we want people to um, have information on how to pair wine with food or uh, information about specific spirits, how they're made, where they come from. So, you know, we felt in order to be comprehensive, we needed to include all those things. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter what I'm thinking. I just opened the book and there's an entire thing on pickling, which yep. I imagine there's some new things because you were talking about the sous vide Mm -hmm. of, of pickling, which is really interesting. It's just so comprehensive. I love to like close my eyes and just open a page. And now I have a whole thing about cooking eggs. You have all the different egg substitutes. You you didn't miss a trick. <laughs> I can say. And as far as the ingredients, I love that you've added some more, I don't know if I'd call them mar modern, international, uh, ethnic. 
in other words, ingredients that are now more available and, and enliven our cooking even more. That's right. Yeah, we included a lot of, um, well, we updated a lot of the uh, older information in the book to just be uh, more comprehensive. So we added, for example, um, we probably at least doubled the section on dried chilies. And now we talk about dried chilies based on where they come from in the world. So you can kind of get a sense of where all the different chilies come from and how they taste and how you might use them. Um, and also, for example, miso. Um, we have a much larger section on miso and all the different types of misos that you can find. So we tried to um, really speak to the variety of ingredients that you can get now. Well, I think that that's, you know, a really important uh, addition to make this book current and, you know, accessible to issues that you're thinking about. I mean, in my market, just in, when you talk about miso, Yellow and white are often uh, trans, you know, you can transfer one for the other and right. people don't, and red miso. But now, this is interesting. So in my column that I wrote about how much I love your book, um, I talked about that you use red miso. Now, red miso would, is very different than the yellow or the white. What, do, what was your reasoning for doing that? Did you just like the flavor more or is it stronger? It is stronger and it's a little saltier too. Um, and so we really liked that stronger miso flavor. Um, but also, you know, if you wanted to use white miso for that eggplant dish, you absolutely could It'd be different, but it would still be very good. Yeah. Well, you know, we could go on for about three days chatting about this, but all I can say is thank you for doing this. Thank your other half, wherever he may be right now. And this has been great just to just to sort of hear the backstory of the latest edition of The Joy of Cooking. So good luck on your book tour that's going to be busy, busy. Happy holidays. We're going to have a couple of recipes up from your book for Thanksgiving, but only a couple because I still need to go check out the book. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> anyway, great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Miss Diane... Thank you so much. I learned some things. And also it just, you know what? I think the joy of cooking, I'm, I'm impressed with these, the next generation, because why should it, it shouldn't go out of print and it shouldn't die. It no, should be But the thing is, it always is changing. Yeah. So that's what's so great about the additions. It's really, it's yeah. updated and wonderful. Again, we're going to have a giveaway and one of these wonderful, the new volume will be a available go to our facebook page and we're going to also post i think some thanksgiving recipes diane and um some pictures yes if they're they... not it, it, there will be recipes for sure yes hopefully there'll be a few from the joy the new joy and um there will be some from denise and diane as well yes well because you know what we may be running out of time. We may be running out of estrogen. We may be running out of collagen, but we never run out of recipes. <laughs> that is perfect and correct. Thanks so, so much. Until next oh, time. Thanks, thanks, Diane. Thank you, Cindy. Bye. Bye. Bye.